All right. Thanks, Wesley. Man, that is good stuff right there. That is just good stuff. We thought about putting Monster Energy Drink in everybody's communion today just to get you pumped, but we decided instead to add that song. So, hey, that was, uh, that was awesome, and thanks for um, everybody for the way that you're participating. Thanks for being here today. It is a yucky day outside. It would have been a great day to just stay in bed and just to pull the covers up. And for those of you who are watching online that did that, hey, we love you too, all right? We love you guys too, but man, it's great to see the smiling faces who are here who are here this morning. Uh, again, welcome to 2023. If you were not with us uh, last week, glad that you've made it to this year. You've never lived this long before. Glad that you have been able to hang around and, and see this. Now, it was last week that one of our youth ministers, Will Clark, asked everybody, he was like, hey, let's see a raise of hands of everyone in the room who has made a New Year's resolution. And about two of you raised your hand. Okay, that, that, that was really, that was, that was like it. And I was a little surprised because honestly, I thought that more of us might have, you know, decided to do something, you know, I mean, you know, anything, you know, I'm going to smile more in 2023, you know, I I don't know, something, maybe it was just because it was New Year's Day and we just hadn't gotten around to that, you know, resolution thing yet, or, or, or maybe it was just because many of us were just still half asleep because, After all, it was a New Year's Day miracle that many of us were able to get up out of bed and get to church. A miracle, by the way, that a lot of you did not experience. I'm just going to be honest. Some some here got the miracle. Some of you did not. Maybe it's just that we've learned this. Maybe it's just that we've learned through the years that the things that we vow just don't seem to last. Just don't seem to last. Maybe you've heard that 80% of resolutions are abandoned within the first 30 days. And maybe you've said, hey, why bother? I mean, really, why bother with this whole whole resolution thing and going through the motions of planning out some well-intentioned resolution that we just know that by February is going to be, is going to be gone? But maybe year after year, I don't know, you've, you've resolved some things. Maybe you've said you were going to lose weight, but just ended up buying bigger clothes instead. Because, hey, that, that served a similar purpose. People are like, oh, you're looking good. I can tell you got more, got more room in the clothes now. And you're like, yeah, I know. This is, this is great. It's my resolution. Maybe you resolve to slow down. But then you realize, man, I've just got so many responsibilities. And so many people depend on me. And, and if I don't do it, and if I'm not there, and, and if I'm not part, and, well, you know how it goes. Maybe you're going to start a new hobby, and then you realized how hobbies are expensive. And a lot of hobbies are tiring. And so you decided just to take that money and buy a new recliner instead. I mean, that would that'd be a good, you know, a, a good way. You, you spend the money, you, you, you can have the recliner, you're, you're going to be tired. I don't know, maybe you bought some books in the past. Maybe you signed up and started listening to some podcasts. James Clear encouraged you to get 1% better each day. And Kendra Daki, she advised you about the power of, of just the small steps. And Emily Freeman told you just to do the next right thing. And so you did. And it worked maybe for a while. You, you started seeing these different results. You began to develop new habits. You were, you were blowing up social media with, with, with TikTok videos. And you had these hashtag best life selfies that you started putting out for everybody to see. And then life happened. And then life happened. 
School started back. Your work schedule changed. Your mom got sick. You had to go out of town. Your ex-husband called. You didn't make the team. The car broke down. And you know what? Before you knew it, you just began to settle right back in. You began to settle right back in to all of those routines and, and all of those habits and all those rhythms that you had been comfortable with for, for years. And so now when anyone asks you about New Year's resolutions, you just kind of shrug and say, eh, I really do that. That's not my thing. I don't have any resolutions this year. And it's because, well, it's just because you know, right? You just know that no matter your best intentions, whatever you vow just doesn't last. Like Popeye, I am what I am. And, and after all, think about it, who you are isn't really all that bad, right? I mean, who you are, it's not all that bad. You're a good person, and you pay your taxes, at, at least most of them, and, and you try to be a good neighbor, and, and you work hard, and, and you try to spend time with your family. You come to church. Now, look, there are things that could be different. And yeah, there are things that could be better, and, and you can have less weight around your middle and more time in your day. You can save more, and, and you can spend less. You can start your Bible reading plan. You could join a ministry team. There are things that you could do different. There are things that you could improve on, things that could be changed. But hey, it's not like your life is a dumpster fire like 2020, right? I mean, this is 2023. I mean, life life is pretty good. We're getting back in the swing of things. And so we come to a new year pretty confident. We're confident with how things are and and how we're doing. We're content. We're satisfied. We're comfortable. And that would be okay. Guys, that would be okay, I, I, I guess, if it were not for the fact that we're citizens of the kingdom of God. If it were not for the fact that we're followers of Jesus. If it were not for the fact that we are hosts for the Spirit of God. I mean, if we were just living our lives for ourselves and, and our choices and our actions had, had no higher purpose than just our own happiness, then I guess it would be okay if there was no intention to our life and if we had really no purpose. But as kingdom people, as kingdom people, each new year and, and each new month and, and each new day and, and even really each new hour brings us an opportunity to participate in something that has eternal consequences. And here's why. Our lives are a gift from God. Our lives, they're they're a gift from God. And each of us has been gifted God's breath. And each of us has been gifted God's image. And and we've all been gifted God's desire. And last week, man, Stephen Stephen Walker, our yak minister, he did a great job. Stephen, again, kudos to you. Thank you for for leading everybody in um, in this time last week. But Stephen did a really great job of reminding us that, that God's desire is unchanging. From Genesis to Revelation, there is an intentional focus on the fact that, that God wants us to be with him and to create from him and to live abundantly through him. You see, your life is a gift from God and he desires for it to be lived with intentional purpose. But the problem is we don't always know what to do with a great gift that we have been been given. See, for Christmas this year, Emily and Micah each received a 
a gift from my mom of a porcelain figurine that she and my dad had purchased for, for each of them during the year of their birth. So for 21 and then 17 years respectively, mom and dad had kept these figurines that represented the new lives that were, that were born into our family. Emily and Micah didn't know about these gifts. They, they did not know that mom and dad had purchased them, did not know that they had been holding on to them for all this time. So as they opened the boxes, my mom began to explain the significance of each figurine and why she and their papa had purchased them. Now, now I, think I've got a, I think I've got a picture. Yeah, there we go. And I believe this was taken just before, Micah, you dropped yours on the floor. Isn't that right? Yeah, no, he really, he, re, he did. Uh, that's not a preacher joke. He really did. He, he, um, he, dropped it, he dropped it on the floor. It was not on purpose. It was, it, it was an accident. And uh, thankfully, the styrofoam packaging that you see there, man, it did a great job. Okay, whoever came up with that idea of styrofoam, man, they have a spot in heaven. Because how many, how many people has it saved? It saved him right there on Christmas night. Uh, but everything's still intact. The gift is still intact. It's all good. But he did say afterwards, he said, I, I think I'm just going to put this back in the box for safekeeping. And, and therein lies the dilemma. What do you do with a delicate and precious gift? Author and pastor John Ortberg says that, that any time a gift is given, the recipient has to choose how they're going to respond. And he says they can respond in, in one of two ways. The first way says that this gift is so valuable that it cannot be risked. All right? It's just too precious. It's too precious. It's got to be kept in the box. And so those who follow this first way realize that the gift, the gift if it's brought out of the box and if it's set out in the open, things might not go well. The gift could be used poorly. It could be sometimes used in a way it was not intended to be used. It might not always be admired by, by others the way that we would want. And, and I mean, what happens if it gets broken? And so taking the gift out of the box is always a risk. But Orkberg says there's a second way. There's a second way to approach a gift, and this is to say that the gift is, is so valuable that it must be risked. And those who follow the second way understand that if the gift is not brought out of the box, will it never be used at all. And to leave the gift in the box is to thwart the desire of the giver. And so Ortberg says, look, there is no tragedy like the tragedy of an unopened gift. And so friends, look, our lives... Your life is a gift from God. And along with that gift comes a choice that every one of us has. It doesn't matter if you're some of our little ones that have already gone back to kids' praise, if you're a teen, if you're someone who's a grandparent here, you're somewhere that you're in between. There is a choice that each of us has been given. And we have to decide, are we going to go the first direction and say, you know what, this gift is so precious and it is so, it is so, just, it is so valuable and God has blessed me in so many ways that I'm just going to have to, I've got to hide this gift away. Or do we go with the second line of thought that says, you know what, this gift is so precious and it's so valuable. It must be risked. And so it's that question that Jesus began to illustrate in a parable in Matthew chapter 25. So go ahead and open up your Bible to one of the last chapters in the first book of your New Testament. Matthew chapter 25. Go ahead, pull out your phone, get out your Bible, however it is that you like to get into Scripture. Uh, find Matthew chapter 25. It's the chapter where Matthew shares with us the conclusion of one of Jesus' podcasts, so to speak. 
right? He's been teaching for a while, and he's been talking to his followers about coming attractions. Some of the things that would happen in their lifetime, and other things that would happen at the end of time. And in Matthew 25, Jesus is sharing what his followers should be doing while they anticipate future realities. Okay, so, so they're waiting and they're wondering, when, when is the kingdom going to really see this fulfillment? And, and when are these things, some that we've heard, some that have been passed down, some of these traditions that Papa told me about, when, when are these things going to be taking place? And Jesus, some of the things we've heard you talking about, when are those things going to start happening? And, and what do we need to be doing? And how do we need to be preparing? And so Jesus begins to wrap things up, and he, he's going to talk about, all right, well, here's what you do while, while you're waiting. And so he tells a story about some ladies that were late to a party because they couldn't find anything to wear. Actually, that's not exactly what happened. And you can actually read the, the, that in the beginning of Matthew 25. There was a party, and there were some women that were late. It had nothing to do with their outfits, though, ladies. Nothing at all. But Jesus' point was that everybody needs to be prepared for his return, that the king is coming. And then you get to the end of the chapter. He talks about sheep and goats and how those who show kindness to others are in actuality showing kindness to God. And, and now when all things are said and done, it's not necessarily going to be the things that you believe that, that create separation. It's going to be those things that you, you did for others. And so while you wait for future events, Jesus says, be ready and, and do good. But it's in the middle of those two lessons where I want us to focus in for a few minutes because it's here where Jesus also tells people, and he's telling you this morning, hey guys, it's time for you to be intentional. So let's pick up listening to Jesus around verse 14. Matthew 25, here we go. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And so he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Now maybe you've heard this parable referred to as the parable of the talents. And maybe that's how the English translation of the Bible that you have, it words some of these things that are being talked about. It says that these servants were given different talents. Before talent meant skill, as we oftentimes use it today, it meant money. And it represented the largest unit of Greek currency, 10,000 denarii. And according to the parable of the workers that Matthew has already listed for us in chapter 20, a denarius represented a day's fair wage. So each talent then represented somewhere around or over 20 years of income for the first servant then that was given the five. I mean, he's been given this lifetime of wealth. And so the point here is not the exact value of what each servant is being given, but the fact that each servant was given an incredible gift that the master thought, you know, this is a gift that is, that is in good keeping with, with their ability. And so they were given these gifts, not randomly, but carefully and intentionally according to, to each one. Now the first servant realizes that he's been given the opportunity of a lifetime. So he wastes no time, and at once he goes, he puts his money at work, and he gains five more bags. And then the second servant, he's got the same kind of eagerness and the same type of courage, so he also went to work, and then he earned two more bags. And now when you see this in your Bible, and it says that they go at once, it's not so much a chronological detail as a statement about their recognition of the reality. The servants realize that they would never have another chance or another opportunity like this. 
And they were not going to let anything stand in the way. They were motivated. They were resolved that they would not let anything interfere with them seizing this opportunity. They were not going to be sidetracked. They were not going to be distracted. They were not going to squander the chance. And so they watched the business channel. They, they read some investment magazines. They heard about a group over here that needed some capital. They began to crunch the numbers. They began to ponder their options. They negotiated. They traded. And they invested the money. And they both intentionally did something with what they had been given. And Jesus says, look, this is how it is with anyone who grasps what God has done. And when the master returned from the journey, he praised the two entrepreneurs. He said to each, and man, we have heard this, many of you, if you've grown up in religious circles, you've heard this expression before, well done, good, and faithful servant. That's what the master says, not just to the one, but to both servants who had gone and, and put the money to work. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, I want you to notice something right here. It wasn't about their fruitfulness. It wasn't about their fruitfulness. If it were, the first servant would have received a different commendation because his return on investment netted his master more than two times what the second servant brought. So if it was all about fruitfulness, if it was all about what you're able to achieve, then, well, the first servant, well, he would have said, hey, well done, good, faithful, top, number one servant. But the master gives the same commendation to, to both of the servants because it wasn't about fruitfulness, it was about faithfulness. It was about being faithful to the master's expectations. You see, our God has entrusted his property to us. Each of us has received a gift. You see, this is not a story that Jesus is telling where some are gifted and some are not. Everybody here gets the gift, he says. And we've all been created. We've all been called by God. And we are all uniquely equipped and expected to contribute. And so I want you to think for a moment, in place of the word talent, in place of that monetary word, whether it be bags of gold or bags of silver there in your translation, I want you to think about your life. And I want you to think about your mind. And I want you to think about your body. And I want you to think about your abilities. I want you to think about your spiritual gifts. And yeah, I want you to think about, I want you to think about your money. And I want you to think about this. What are you intentionally doing with what you have been intentionally given? What are you intentionally doing with what you have been intentionally given? And if the answer is, hmm, nothing, well, strap yourself in for the rest of the story. First two servants invested, but the third servant. The third servant, the one who had received one talent of wealth, well, Jesus says that he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, I get that, right? I mean, I, I get that. You've been given this large sum of money, and you're not exactly sure what's going to happen when the master returns, and, and you want to make sure you're in the master's good graces, and, and you want to make sure nobody else knows about what it is that, that you've got, and so you just go and, and, and squirrel it away. When my grandmother died, uh, we were cleaning out. She, she had one of those uh, freezers. 
you know, those that, that sit on the floor and, you know, about as, you know, as long as, uh, what, you know, a Lincoln? I mean, you know, just takes up the whole wall there in the kitchen. Well, a- after she had passed away, you know, we were cleaning it out, and, and we, found, we found cash, cold, hard cash, right there, frozen to the peas. I mean, <laughs> right there in the corner. We, we found it. She, she had squirreled it away, hidden it. And that's what this guy does. The first two guys invested, this guy buried. You see, he believed the master's gift was too valuable to be risked. He had that, that first idea that I've been given something precious and I don't want anything to happen to it. And so he makes the most tragic mistake of giftedness. He failed to benefit the master with a talent. And he told him, I knew you were a harsh man. He said, I knew you to be a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. And I was afraid that I would lose your money. And so I hid it in the earth. And and I want you to think about this. Think about, sometimes we we see these servants perhaps all coming in at the same time and holding what, what they have. But I want you to think about it perhaps as if they came in one at a time. Maybe the master comes and finds the servants in different places. And I want you to think about the smile that was on this servant's face as he presents back to his master exactly what he had been given. He hadn't lost it. He hadn't embezzled it. Nothing had happened to it. It was as pristine as the day that he got it. And he goes back and he gives it to the master and he says, see, here's the money that you gave me. And he feels good. Feels good. Can I pause here just for a minute and ask How often has the fear of accidentally doing something wrong kept you from intentionally doing what is right? Think about that for a minute. When it comes to the way that you serve God. Afraid that you would say the wrong thing, so you said nothing. Nothing. Afraid of what others might think, so you did nothing. Or, or maybe you're one of the servants that's just afraid. You're afraid to fail. You're afraid that God's going to be unhappy with you if, if you if you step out on that limb, if you step out in faith. And then because, well, just like Steve mentioned, you go off and you get in that land and you realize, wow, I can do whatever it is that I want to and I can live however I want to. And then you look at yourself and you're like, I am so far from God. And so you don't do anything at all. You never try. You're afraid to take a chance because you're just not certain that if you risked obeying God that he would take care of you. And then if you ended up in that land, would he welcome you home at all? Or maybe you're afraid that something will happen that you just can't handle. Or maybe it's just that you've been afraid of losing control of what it is that you have been given. How often has the fear of accidentally doing something wrong kept you from intentionally doing what is right? If you look at yourself and say, man, that is me. That, that is me. I, I don't take risk for God. I, I don't step out for the, for the kingdom. I, I, don't, I don't invest myself in anything really spiritual. I come to church every once in a while. I, I listen to what some lessons, are, but I don't read my Bible. I don't, I don't really pray. I, I don't think about God really at all during the week. I just kind of go through the motions. Have you ever wondered why God packed your bag the way that he did? 
I mean, I mean that, that bag that he gave you. That the life that we're talking about that you have. That I have. Why do you have the life that you have? Banker, how do you explain your good sense of numbers? Or teacher, how do you explain your ability to make complex subjects easy to understand? Or engineer, have you ever wondered why you can see solutions that others cannot? Or homemaker, why does your household run so smoothly? Why is it that you are you? Why are you known to be the person that you are at, at school and, and on the campus? Why, why do you have the reputation that you have at work? Is it so people will love you? Is it so you can be celebrated? You say, no, man, it's so I can get paid. That's why I got what I got. That's why I've got these talents. That's why I've got these abilities, so that I can get paid, so that I can make the money, so that I can be a success, so that I can get my kids to college, so that I can retire. That's why I have what I have. Guys, if the answer involves only you, then you're missing the big picture. You see, your gift, your life, it's not meant to be hoarded. It's not meant to be protected. It is not meant to be saved. Your gift, your life, is meant to be used. It's meant to be used for God. Not for yourself, and not just for some selfish pursuits, and, and not just so things can be comfortable, and things can be easy, and we don't have to worry. And that's why one of the most sobering aspects of this story is is that the servant was reprimanded not for doing something bad. I want you to get this. The servant is reprimanded not for doing something bad, but for doing nothing. He didn't steal the money. He didn't waste the money. He just didn't do anything with the money. And because of that, his master described him as wicked and lazy. Two words, when combined basically means the master was saying, you good-for-nothing servant. You're good-for-nothing. Now, this has always troubled some people. And in the second century, there was a manuscript written called the Gospel of the Nazarene that, that repeated this story. But this time, the writer described the fault of the third servant as this. He squandered all of his money on harlots and flute players. Yeah, that's what he wrote. Evidently, the writer felt that simply doing nothing was not enough to warrant Jesus' harsh words, so he added embezzlement, immorality, and he hung out with flautists. Now, I don't know why, why those who played the flute got such a bad, bad rap during this time. I really don't know. And, and, and if you're a flute player, I am so glad that you have risen above all of those who came before you, thankful for you. But there are no prostitutes, there are no flautists in Jesus' story. The servant didn't do anything bad. He just didn't do anything good. And listen, Jesus is trying to make a point. He's wrapping up this message about, about coming events. And he's telling his listeners and he's telling us, look, don't become so focused on future realities that you fail to be a present blessing. Because discipleship is more than just the absence of badness. Where we look around and say, well, I don't do that, I don't do that, and I never did this. It's the presence of intentional goodness. It's why he wraps up what he says there with that sheep and goat story at the end of the chapter. Guys, you are created to impact the here and now while you wait for the there and then. So be ready and live a life of intentional service. 
And church, this is where we need to listen closely to Jesus because I'm just afraid that some of us have fallen into this mindset that thinks, well, you know what? I'm really not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. And, and you know, I, I mind my own business and I, and I go to church on Sunday when I can and I occasionally drop a Benjamin in the offering box. I, I'm enjoying my family. I'm enjoying my life. Things are just now starting to, to get back and starting to roll that dumpster fire of 2020. It's finally mostly been put out. There's still some smolders. There's still some ashes. But man, things are starting to get back. Things are good. I'm good. Are you? Are you good? Or are you good for nothing? Are you just good for nothing? God has gifted you a life with talents and abilities and opportunities and a voice that is unique to only you. God has invested his spirit in you. He has placed you within this very community of faith. He has blessed you with family, with co-workers, with neighbors. He has surrounded you with a circle of influence that is specific to you and to you alone. He has provided you with a job and a home and a school in this very city at this very time in 2023. And he's done all of this and more. So what are you doing with what he has given? What are you doing with it, church? If you have the attitude of the third servant, then well, you've just wrapped your life up in styrofoam and you hid it away in the closet so it wouldn't get scratched or broken or bothered. And where it's going to earn nothing for God. Have no impact on the kingdom. And guys, look, you, you might have used your uniqueness to build a reputation. And you might be using your uniqueness to, to fund a retirement. And you could be using your uniqueness to to invest or, or to build an empire, but you haven't been building the kingdom of God. You haven't been building the kingdom of God. And listen, if we do what the third servant did, then we will hear what the third servant heard. Wicked and lazy servant. You were good for nothing in this life. I gave you what your abilities could handle. And I know you weren't the same as everybody else. And I know there were some that, that had a different life than what you had. And had different opportunities and different chances and different choices. But I gave it to you because I needed you right there in East Brainerd and in Ottawa and Chattanooga and in North Georgia. I needed you right there in Tennessee. I needed you in the United States. I needed you in the world right then and right there in the school and at the workplace, in your home, in that church community. I needed you and you did nothing for me, for my kingdom. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. You see, we can take our five or our two or our one talent life and at once begin to faithfully and intentionally invest it for our master. Instead of giving lip service to our faith, we prioritize it. Instead of part-time fellowship, we become serious about discipleship. We begin to intentionally pray, and, and in those prayers, we ask God to reveal his purpose in our life. 
We join with others who are investing their life in the kingdom purposes of God and pursuits. We understand that each day is another opportunity for God to use my life for his glory. We begin to ask, how do you want to use me today, Lord? What do you want to do through my life? And perhaps that answer begins right here today with you intentionally surrendering your life and being baptized into Christ, saying, I'm done living for myself. It's time to come home. It's time to be with God. Maybe that answer has to do with, with your service to this church family. Where you say, you know what, I, I have just been a taker and I have not been a giver and I've just, I've just been a part of this community and I've just let others get involved and I've let others serve and, and I just kind of show up and I just kind of go through the motions and I just, I just enjoy everything that everybody else does and everybody else works hard for. Maybe it's you being present with your immediate family. And finally, those resolutions that you said you were going to slow down and you were going to, you were going to be there and, and, and enjoy time with your kids and you were going to, to be there and, and build that relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's you standing up for someone at school. Maybe it's you speaking out for someone in your neighborhood. Maybe it's you sitting down with someone who is crying and, or holding the hand of the one who is dying. Maybe it's you sharing Jesus with someone who could, who could use some good news. Maybe it's you opening up your Bible again. Maybe it's you repenting of your apathy. Lord, what do you want to do with my life today? Do you need my passion? You got it. You need my money? Well, it's yours anyway. You want my schedule? And just show me where I need to be spending my time. Lord, show me a life that is lived on purpose. Show me a life that is lived on your purpose. Guys, for that is the life. That is the life when lived that will earn well done, good, and faithful servant. Come enjoy my celebration. This is great. I gave it to you. And you didn't hide it away. You invested your life in others. You spent yourself for me. Friends, it's not about your theology. It's not about the church that you grew up attending or the church that you're going to be a part of in the future. It's not about your background. It's not about how good you are compared to someone else. Because when all these new years end, the one thing that will matter is have you been faithful to your master? And have you used your life for God's kingdom? That's what Jesus wants to know. And so I guess we do have a resolution for 2023 after all, don't we? See, we, we, we do have one. Each and every one of us actually has a resolution as individuals and guys of the church family where we need to resolve that this will be the year that we live intentionally for God. That we don't just let our faith happen. That we don't just let our, our spirituality just kind of take care of itself. That, that we don't just go through the motions. That we, we don't just hope that our kids grow up to love the Lord. That we don't just hope that our marriages are strong. That we don't just hope that others hear about the good news of Jesus. This is going to be the year where we intentionally say, God, I am living my life for you because my life is the gift that you've given. And so don't allow a fear of doing the wrong thing cause you to do nothing. And don't fail to use your gift for humanity's good or, or for God's glory. Guys, God, God has faith in you. God has faith in you, and he gave you a beautiful gift. And he believes that you are good, that you are good for something. The question is, what will we intentionally do with what 
we've been intentionally given. Whatever it is, let's go do it now on purpose. Father, we thank you for the gift of this life. And to be honest, for most of us, we have lived it for ourselves. And we have used all the different, all those things that we call blessings, all those things that we look at and say, wow, how did this happen and where did this come from? We call them talents. We, we say there's opportunities and, and we look at all those things and we've used it oftentimes for our own benefit and for, for our own glory. We, we say that we're trying to take care of ourselves. We, we say that we're trying to look out after our, our family that, Father, the real truth is we're not thinking really much about you. And so we've taken what you've given and we've gone and we've buried it in the ground. And there's been no return on investment. The kingdom hasn't been broadened because of, of our life. And there, there, there hasn't been anyone else who has, who has given their life to you because of the things that we have said, because of the investment that we've made. We, we've walked past opportunities that you've given to us that you place right there, right there in our way. Lord, help us to see the opportunities, but help us to understand that you have placed us here in this place, right here and right now, in 2023, for a purpose. And may we intentionally, may we intentionally live a life that will bring honor and glory to you, that will impact the humanity that's around us, that will, that will allow your kingdom to be here, just as it is in heaven. Father, we are so blessed, and we have so many talents, we have so many abilities, so many opportunities. Father, forgive us for the fact that we have not truly used these for you. That for whatever reason, we have, we have been blinded to the true purpose of our life. Help us to see that no matter our age, no, no matter our education level, no matter our experience, that, Father, that we all have a role in your kingdom, that we all have a place here within this church family, but also here within this community, that you have expectations for us all and you are depending upon us. Father, we long to hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because we have held on to some type of ideology, not because we have jumped through hoops, but because, Father, we have committed our lives to your kingdom. So, Father, take us down off the shelf. Begin to unwrap all that packing that's around us today. And as we leave this place, May we leave on purpose, with intentional faith, determined to live our lives for you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Church, we're going to sing and encourage one another. We're going to sing, Surround Us, O Lord, I believe, right? And we're going to sing this song, asking God just to surround us in this moment as, as hopefully we're having to do some, some adjusting thinking that we're having to think through and go, man, what have I been intentionally doing with my life for God? And look, I want you to know that, that, that if you need to talk with someone about this, we have one of our elders who will be in our prayer room back in the lobby. You can go there and just have some private time. Or, or if you'd like to come before this church body and say, you know what, I'm just going to own it. I'm just going to own it, and I just need to say, you know what? I haven't really been living my life for God, and I need to repent of that apathy. We want to give you that moment. Or as I said earlier, if this is the time where you say, you know what? It's time for me to be baptized into Christ because I have been putting off dying to self and living for God. And let's celebrate with you. 
Let's celebrate that this morning, all right? We're going to give you that opportunity right now. You're surrounded by God. You're surrounded by friends and family. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Be intentional as together we stand and give God praise.